Hey there, welcome to Above Board with Canderpath. I am the Rich B and I'm here with my BFF, John F. Kennedy. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, man? It's been a minute since we've done just you and me it together has on the been show. A minute. Just you and I. <laughs> but we miss Matt. We miss Matt. Sad face for Matt. Little sad face emoji. Matt's busy though, right? He's, He's doing good man. things. Mm-hmm. He's a busy man. Yep. How you been doing? You've been, you've been doing well? Doing good. Yeah, we were just talking about before this. I am um, officially the head coach of 6U softball, Babe Ruth League girls softball, and it's a lot of fun. What I am finding perplexing is that you're supposed to pitch to these girls, four, five, and six. It seems really young to throw the ball to a four, uh, five, and a six-year-old, but we're having fun with it. So, so do they? here's a question. Um, do they know who Babe Ruth is? Is it? Do they think they're playing for like a candy bar league? I wonder if they even I, know. That's a, oh my gosh. I have practiced tonight with the girls. I'm going to ask that question. I'm going to pose that question to everybody and see. Will you what do you think Babe me? Ruth is? A, a candy bar. B, the most famous baseball player of all time. C, a, toy. a minivan. What's, a minivan. What's the, well, I got to come up with, we got to come up with some better answers. I just have to tell you that I, I think it's hilarious because Babe Ruth is somebody that more than likely Maybe my gener I mean, I think Generation X people probably would know in general. Boomers definitely would. I wonder if like millennials and Gen Z and then the present generation, which I don't know if they're Gen Z or not, like what a four or five year old would be called. I think they're Gen Y. I don't, I never can remember. I, I wonder if they even know. You, you know, I just wonder. I it's just kind of so. funny I mean, that people are still name, naming things after Babe Ruth. I mean, this is from like a long time ago. Back in the day. Yeah, but I mean, he was, I mean, he was it. Like, he was the dude back in the day. So, I mean, I also think, like, if you know anything about baseball, even remotely, even if you're Gen Z, but imagine you would know who Babe Ruth is. I mean, I mean, I, you, as you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. My favorite player was Wilt Chamberlain. And he was somebody that I think just completely upended. (laughs) I have so much fun pretending like I know nothing about sports. So, you know, it's it's kind of cool that you're doing this coaching thing with these kids and and everything. And it's kind of funny because we were having kind of a pre-chat and we were talking about kids in sports. And the kids, I think, are awesome. The parents maybe sometimes are a bit of a challenge. Wow. And I know my, my kids are in a sport, but their sport's a little bit different because it's not really a team sport. My kids are martial artists. So my, my 12 year old's a black belt going for a second degree black belt. My seven year old's a red belt. She's going to be a black belt in, a, in probably a year and a half, couple of years. So I, I've noticed the parents there tend to be very supportive. Like even when the kids are sparring and they're actually fighting, like literally fighting, parents tend to be really supportive and kind of cool. There's one or two parents that, you know, sometimes they think they're raising Mayweather or Conor McGregor or something, but everybody else is, is 99.9%. They're awesome. And the dojo is an amazing place. But I do know that when my my 12-year-old, when he was doing flag football and things like that, and I even heard because my, my daughter cheers for flag football. So they're little kids. They're from like kindergarten all the way up to like sixth or seventh grade. Two of the dads got into a fight at this last oh, flag football game. Yeah, no, no they did. And it, it, I wasn't there, but I've witnessed some of the parents. I mean, I've even, because I know that one of the coaches that my son had, you know, he was very much about, he wanted to win. And there were some kids that were really good. I'd worked with my son all summer and, and throwing the ball. You saw me out. You saw me outside with him. And this kid, we'd yep. throw 50 passes a day. And he went from catching about 15 of them to catching about 47 of them. He was got, he got really good. 
when he did this flag football thing a couple of years ago in four or five, six games, whatever it was, he had the ball thrown to him twice. And both times, one time he caught it for a touchdown. One time he caught it and got all the way up to the, almost the five yard line and set everybody up for a touchdown. But this coach was so fixated on the two or three kids that were his quote unquote stars. He'd never play my son. He just would never play him. And, and I never, you know, wasn't one of these people that like fussed about it, but I did see how some of the other parents were. And I wanted just to check in with you about that. Obviously I don't want you slamming on any of the parents. Cause if they're listening to this, you don't want that to go in a bad direction, but what are you seeing? Like, what are you picking up about this whole idea of competitiveness? And, you know, let's talk about that as it relates to being adults and successes in life. And I, I think it's kind of a cool track to go down. Uh, well, okay. So a couple things I, I have some within this league. And again, I volunteered to be like, at first I was like, I just want to be an assistant coach. Like I want to be involved and have a good time, but come to find out everybody just wants to be an assistant coach. No one wants to be the, the head coach at this age. And, and I guess it has a lot to do with parental involvement. Um, so I've heard, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this quote from people was like, it's not the kids that's the issue. It's the parents. And mm-hmm. honestly, to be honest, so far I haven't had that, that terrible of an experience, but I have learned some things and, um, you know, we got into this with the idea. So, so Ella said, dad, I you know, I, she, we like watching baseball together. I'm, you know, as you know, a big Braves fan, big baseball fan, grew up playing sports, uh, baseball specifically. And so she's like, yeah, dad, I, I'd like to do, um, T-ball. We didn't define it as baseball or softball, you know, just, uh, I love cool. T-ball. I was good at T-ball. Yeah. T-ball and kickball were my jam. Sorry. I, I digress. I right. still I, love kickball. Let's, we should all play way. kickball. We did like a kick, a kid had kickball. No, you, you don't I'll have smash to smash you guys. You don't have to tell me twice. I did a co, co-ed kickball league up until just a few years ago. I did, however, tear my MCL playing co-ed kickball. That's no, a different you story. You did for not. Yes, I did. That was when you did it. Was kickball? Remember when I had that knee Bro, surgery? Bro, tell a different story. Tell a different yeah. story. Tell oh, a different. I know it's got to be way cooler di- than that. You got into a fight with you know David Ortiz or something, <laughs> in some bar or something like that. Do you anyway. know who David Ortiz is? He's an MMA fighter. Oh. Isn't okay. he? I, I thought you were going with Big Poppy. Like, oh, uh, I did Poppy know that. No, Big Poppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball player. I'm sorry, dude. You know, I don't know anything about. I, anyway, I was impressed. Sorry. Like, I thought you were sticking Damn. with the baseball analogy. I should have. I should have seen actually... the glimmer in your eye, and I should have just stuck with baseball. I'm sorry. Impressive. I apologize. Anyway, stick with what you're saying. Go well, ahead. I, I think uh, when we started this, you know, first it was just involvement. You know, Ella's like, "Yeah, Dad, I, I want to do it, but I want you to be a coach." Sure, I'm in. Next thing you know, I'm head coach. And I had these thoughts in my head where I'm like, this is going to be great because I'm going to teach her team sports and, and, and just a healthy, healthy level of competition and what that means. And very quickly within the first two games, what I've witnessed, not like specifically any parent from our team or whatever, but like seeing the level of competition from the parents and, and bringing that down to the kid level. I mean, I can see where childhood trauma happens. Maybe, maybe trauma is an excessive word, but I could see where this, this feeling of anxiousness, this feeling of, I, you know, I can't do, I, I'm not good enough or whatever could really wash over a child pretty quickly. I mean, these kids are four, five, and six, again, for perspective, four, five, and six, and they don't care. We, we lost the first game. That wasn't a, that wasn't a question from any of the kids coach. Did we win or lose? No, no one asked me that question. They, they were like, they just had fun. 
and and celebrating like their individual success like they hit the ball and then they dropped the bat and ran to first base instead of third base or whatever like again we're learning you know fundamentals and we're just having fun with it but you know now i'm starting to see the level of competition come down from the parent side to the kids and i can really truly see where it's unhealthy and it's had me question how i want to um, parent my child in, in an organized, uh, team sport, you know? You so know, it's, it's been, you know. it's like that. I think that's a fascinating observation on your part, especially because you're seeing it from the perspective of not only your kids in it, but you're coaching it. It's kind of interesting. You bring back a memory that I had of my son's flag football. And these were older kids. I'd say they were, let me think it was probably fifth or sixth grade. And there was one kid that is a really outstanding athlete and his dad was a really outstanding jerk. And this kid would, <laughs> I mean, for real, this kid would catch the ball and do a phenomenal play and everybody would be cheering. And the dad would be like 20 more yards, man. What's up with that? You could have done this. You know, next time kid catches the ball. It's about time you caught it. Kid gets a bad throw, fumbles the ball. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? And I'm like looking at this dad and, and I, I went, Hey man, you know, he's already got, he's got two touchdowns and he's doing great. Meanwhile, my kid sitting on the bench, kind of looking at the stars, you know, and this dad just, he just hammers this kid. And I know that some people kind of come from that background and they think that's cool. But if I were to, I, without going into overly going into details, it would take forever. This is over the course of many games and literally I never saw the dad give the kid a compliment. He'd maybe once in a while clap and go, all right, finally, you know, things like that. Most importantly, I would look at the kid and when his dad would do this, cause the kids are, you know, they're at the age where they're getting embarrassed. The parents are, it can be embarrassing, right? This look on this kid's face, he would just look at his dad and I can't, obviously people can't see me right now, but he'd do this like, kind of like look up and then kind of look down and you could just see him. And so me, you know how I am, right? So I'm like, the kid catches the ball and he runs two yards. I'm like, you're the best, bro. You rock, you know? And the kid would like, look at me and like smile a little bit. And the dad be like, no, man, he, he's better than this. And it's kind of funny because I think I try to get inside people's heads and there's the extremes. Okay. Cause we know what the extreme is. The extreme is, you know, the parent that's crazy and screams at their kid and they've got to be the best of the best. And then there's the, like, you get a participation trophy just for showing up. And we make fun of both of those extremes. We do. But there's a middle way. I mean, honestly, like five, five or six year olds, they're probably not going to get a scholarship anywhere anytime soon. You want them to learn the dynamics of team, the dynamics. And so that's even what we were talking about before about IQ and EQ. So Yep. I, I'm not a big sports guy, but, but when I watch my kids spar, yeah, you want sparring is like, you think it's just brute fighting, but it's not you. We all know that fighters, people there, they could be beasts, but Mayweather's a, stra, a you know, strategizing, you know, you can make, you could think Mike Tyson as a boxer was just this guy who pummeled people. This guy was, he was using his intelligence. There has to be intelligence. Muhammad Ali had, a, you know, intelligence. And I wonder if, if sometimes like the parents that I've observed, they're, they're, they're so about just the athletic involvement and the, and the intelligence of the game and not the other part of the dynamic, which is the team function and getting along with other people and being able to learn how to lose and how to win and process those yeah. things. Well, I think that's why baseball is such a good analogy because uh, I, I heard this on a different podcast and it, and it struck me 
and had me realize one of the things that I like so much about baseball, that you fail more in baseball than you do in any other sport. So even like, like a superstar, can, like the best baseball player in the world with the best record. The best baseball hall of famer, like an all time baseball player, seven out of 10 times is not going to perform well. So sit on the, you know, they're, they're let, batting 300. We got to sit, average. we got to sit with that for one second. Let's parlay that into a financial advisor. That seven, <laughs> okay. seven out of 10 of your clients will lose money. Seven out of 10 of your, your funds will be in the negative seven out of 10. I mean, or let's go into healthcare. Hi doctor. How are you? How are you doing? Well, seven out of 10 of my patients die, but three, maybe that'll be, you'll be one of those. <laughs> it sounds pretty crappy when you think about yeah. it. And yet in yeah. baseball, it, that's the no that's that's a, that would be a hall of famer that would be like a yeah. a legendary that would be a hall of famer player. that would be yeah of course like that wow. is a hall of fame stat if you played your entire career and seven out of ten times you failed at the plate wow. and i think there's a lesson in that that young kids can teach you know so you talked about like the polar opposite of parents you know the one who participation trophies versus the parent that you described on the football field who their kid you know, could have gotten 20 more yards or should have had an extra touchdown. Like there is an in-between yeah. that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, the parent that you referred to like that, the, the pressure for that child to perform and be perfect and to recognize, to start in an unhealthy way, I assume, I think, again, I'm no, you know, child psychologist, but in an unhealthy way to start creating a, an association of like, I only get approval or satisfaction from my parents when I have, have three touchdowns in a game, have four touchdowns right. in a game, do better than I did the last game versus like at this age, I really want to focus on teaching my, my daughter in this case to understand the dynamic of team sports, to have fun, to learn the fundamentals and to just like, just from a personal level, like literally learn the fundamentals, like not run to third base, run to first, like we're teaching her those things and we're trying to make it fun all the while. The pressure to, to, to yell at a child to perform better or whatever. I mean, that adds up over time. You know, then you think about as kids get older, the pressure to get straight A's, the pressure to perform, to be first chair in your music class, the pressure to um, get the lead role instead of the supporting role in art and, you know, like arts and whatever. I mean, I just, I think that translates to literally every area. And that's, that's sometimes just too much. I agree. And, you know, I, a while ago I saw, and I'm going to butcher this. And so I apologize, but I think our listeners will get the, the gist of it. I saw somebody, I don't remember if it was on Instagram. It might've been on TikTok, but they did a post that said, if your kid, man, how did they say it? Something like if your kid always gets straight A's, wins, wins almost every game is you know, tells you that they're always happy. You got to pay, you got to worry about them just as much as you have to worry about a kid who seems kind of down or in the dumps or depressed. And I, I just did not do service to what they were saying, but the gist of what they were saying is what you said, that if your kid's a super high performer and, and just always seems like everything's great and awesome, that's good, but don't just assume that you're good, that that's it. As you know, I, you know, my 12 year old, you've known him since he was what three and you know he's yeah, super yeah. straight a student black belt and karate super high performing kid honors classes very mature emotionally very mature and i've been learning 
over the last you know, year or so how I have to make sure not to just assume that everything's great. I mean, these kids put a lot of pressure on themselves. Uh, you know me, you've, you, you've known Don and I for forever. You've seen us parent. We're not like, you better get an A and you better do this. But we realize that our high quote, you know, quote unquote, as you use the words, high performing kid, he's putting that pressure on himself at this point, because probably he sees how excited we are when he does get you. Well, dude, you got straight A's. That's unbelievable, bro. You, you know, got your black belt. That's unbelievable, bro. And I finally realized something along the lines of what you just said. And I said, I shared this with you before we started the podcast that I'm really changing a little bit my tactic with my son to be making sure that he understands that we love and value and validate and respect him and hold him in the highest regard. First of all, first and foremost, because we love him unconditionally, but more because of who he is rather than what he does more about who he is rather than what he accomplishes more about who he is rather than what he makes or earns. You know, he also is an actor who does commercials who sometimes makes at 12 years old, $6,000. I mean, he's so used to that. And I think Matt once a while ago talked about with his, with his own kid um, in martial arts, how he, he had failed a belt or, or something and he had to just let him go through that. And I really realizing what you're saying, sometimes as parents, when we talk about it being from a parent standpoint, you, you're not even the one maybe putting the pressure. I'm not the dad that's like, get up, you better get an A, you know? I'm just like, hey, did you try your hardest? Good job, bro. You know, you got this. But meanwhile, this kid, like you were when you were a kid, because I know you, is putting all this pressure on himself. And I finally realized to take a step back, because my kid is highly EQ. His emotional quotient is yeah. super high. And yeah. that, that affects us as adults because I think there's a lot of adults out there who associate success and being a high performer with what they have, what they do, what they accomplish, what they bring home. Those, the dad that's at the football game who's not even yelling at his kid because he's on his phone the whole time doing a real estate deal or talking to his client mm -hmm. or his patient. And didn't even really participate in the game or watch it for that matter. Have you ever seen that kid that goes, dad, are you watching mom? Look, look, you know, maybe you haven't experienced it yet, but I have, it's weird. It's, it's kind of knowing that healthy balance to have in the middle. And I'm picking up this whole, to help a child to feel valued about who they are rather than just what they accomplish or do. Sure. So I guess that goes back to like the EQ versus IQ. And I don't know that those need to be opposing forces, no. but I, I will say, um, you know, our kids are, are only two and five. So we're at different stages, um, in, in raising our kids. And by no means, I mean, listen, none of us are, I mean, we're, we're learning or we're doing the best we can, yep. but it's not like we don't make mistakes along the way. Sure. And, but, but I will say one of the things that we focus greatly on is trying, trying to focus more on that EQ side, yeah. you know, making sure that, my kids and I, I talk more about my daughter in this case, just cause my son's two and you know, he's, he's awesome in so many ways, but she's five. So she's got a different level of emotion that she's feeling. And we're really like working through that with her at the moment. And, and I want her to have a safe place to be able to express herself. I want her to feel like she can talk to me about her feelings and things she has going on. I want her to be like, I love, I love watching her have conversations with like, when we're all together with like other families, like she comes and like starts talking to 
you know, you and Dawn and, and like, she just, you know, it's like your guys are part of the family and she can have this like really long conversation. Um, that type of stuff, man. Like I just, you know, that I, I care so much about that. I care less about her, her, um, her personal accolades on the baseball diamond. And if she hit a double or a home run that game, it's, it's more, you know, how did, how, how did she, how did she handle the seven other times when she didn't get on base, you know, the seven out of time, seven out of 10 times you fail. Um, and so for, in a lot of ways, I think there's a lot of good adversity that, that comes with that. But I do think that inadvertently, sometimes as parents, we place too much pressure. I mean, even like you said, like it's, you know, then maybe sometimes you celebrate the wins too, too much. much. You don't even realize it. You're just doing it to be fun. Yeah, you are. To, you, to make it exciting. Yeah, you want because, you know. And then maybe. Yeah, because your kid comes yeah, home and tells. No, you're right. Your kid comes home and tells you they have straight A's or I got an A on my test. You're not. You don't go. Okay. You know, well, it's not about the grades. <laughs> you know, it's okay. You know, whatever you do is fine. You know, you right. do celebrate it because they earned it. But it's yeah. it. And I, I just, there's something that I want to do because sometimes like we make assumptions, yeah, the, the definition of an EQ. So everyone knows what an IQ is, your intelligence quotient. So it's, you know, Einstein has a high IQ, you know, that kind of stuff, emotional quotient or um, otherwise known as emotional intelligence is the ability to understand, use, and manage your own emotions in positive ways to relieve stress, communicate effectively, empathize with others, overcome challenges and diffuse conflict. And when yeah. you think about wow. what I just said, let's shift out of parents because there probably is a bunch of people listening to this that either have already raised their kids. So they're like, well, I already messed them up. I'm done. Or, <laughs> or there might be people who are, are, don't have a family or are not going to have kids or don't have kids at the moment. If you think about what I just described, that is an excellent manager. That is an excellent Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. That is an excellent leader. That is an excellent significant other. That is just Mm -hmm. a good friend. So, you know, when you think about it, uh, I mentioned that my my kids do commercials and stuff. And, you know, here you have like a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old that go on auditions. And when it's in person, we go with them, obviously. But they go into a room, and so let's say I'm just going to make this up. Let's say it's for Canderpath. You know, here's Canderpath Financial, this you know multi-zillion-dollar you know company is going to be doing their large national commercial. So you've got your your chief marketing officer and a couple of other people all sitting there, and they're going to do this commercial, and they want a family. And so my kids walk in, and they're like, "Hi, what's your name? Well, my name's so and so. What do you do? I do this. So tell us about yourself. Okay, do these lines." And I remember saying to Luke one time, you know, my 12 year old. When you think about what you're learning here, it's not, you're not maybe going to be Brad Pitt. Maybe that's not your goal. He doesn't. He wants to be an engineer for NASA. He doesn't want to be a, an actor. But think about what we just talked about, about EQ. This is teaching exactly what you just said with your daughter. When Ella comes up and talks to adults, she's not afraid to. She's very confident in herself. She's able to carry on a conversation at a young age. It, I could have an intelligent conversation with your five-year-old. And these are important skills for kids. And I said, dude, this is going to help you in job interviews. This is going to help you dealing with your team, you know, when you're a leader for an engineering firm or if you start your own company. So I I can see how with what you're saying that there has to be that balance. You want the kids to be somewhat competitive. You want them to learn there's wins and losses. And if you don't try hard, you don't get anything. I mean, we're certainly not advocating just, you know, everybody go to work and just have fun. It doesn't matter if you get the project done, as long as you felt good about yourself. But, you know, at the same time, what I just described in EQ, that is somebody you'd want to work with and work for and have work for you. But I think the EQ side 
needs to be nurtured yep. and cultivated. Whereas let's just say like the level of competition that you do or don't want your child to have, like that might, that, that will, I, I almost feel like, and I mean, I could be just making a totally wrong statement here, but I almost feel like that will develop on its own, regardless of my involvement. Probably. If I, if I place my kids in environments to in, in team sports or whatever it may be, like that will cultivate itself. They don't need additional pressure from me or, you know, from mom and dad um, to feel like, oh gosh, I feel bad enough that I struck out. And then on top of it all, I get, then I got to go talk to my dad in the dugout about why I struck out and how to do better next time. And, you know, like, and, and feel that level of pressure or, you know, or whatever sort of, some sort of way the parents are feeling about that type of thing towards their kids. I feel like that stuff will happen on its own. Whereas like the EQ side, like we really need to cultivate that and try to bring that out of our kids and work with our kids on that. That's to me anyway, that's like a, the little that I know about parenting, like <laughs> you said, you know, some people are listening to this that are older that their kids are already grown up. Like, ah, oh, we already messed up our kids. It's like, I'm trying to mess up my kids as little as possible. I recognize that I will <laughs> along the way, just accidentally do. inadvertently do that. So, you know, I'm trying to do it as little as possible. And that's kind of, that's a camp that I've really leaned into. And I read a book once called um, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Yeah, I've read it. By Meg It's Meeker. a great book. And that, like, that's where a lot of that came from for me. Um, you know, focusing on that, on that emotional intelligence. So. You know, there's a, something that I, I heard one time that's always stuck with me. Uh, I can't claim to say that I constantly put this in practice in my own life or as a parent even, but I try to, but that to put progress over perfection. Oh, that's the name of the show. Good there one. you go. But when you think about the value of, of those words, Perfection is, it's a bar too high. It, it doesn't exist. I mean, it really doesn't. I and mean, we could say it exists. I mean, there's times in gymnastics in the Olympics, somebody got all tens. So I guess maybe theoretically there can be a perfect score. You can get a perfect score and a grade. You can get whatever. But as far as, as far as life, I don't know if, if you, I, I don't know if that is something that that if you set yourself up always to hit that, where you're going to be in life. So, you know, I speak for a living and there's a lot of times where I speak where you get audience ratings. And there's been times I've given the exact same talk with the exact same energy for the exact size audience, but you know, it could be any number of factors that are involved. It could be just who's in the audience. It could be geography. It could be culture. It doesn't matter. There's times that I've, I've scored a 10 in, of, of an audience of a thousand people, which means whoever filled out, maybe it was 300 people filled out the thing. I got perfect 10s. Oh my God. Oh, that's amazing. Do the same talk and get a 9.92, you know, or 9.89 still great. But then I'm like, damn, what, did, you know, what happened? And sometimes I'll look through those evaluations and there's five or six people that gave me a six or seven said, heard this already before, saw this at another conference, already read his book or don't like him or he's an idiot. And I realized that at some point when I would constantly, you know, do really well or maybe achieve or be number one, number one, number one, that when I wasn't, that that time that it happened, that I spoke at a conference and I was the second yeah. highest rated speaker, it was kind of, whoa, you know, it hurt a little bit. And I, I got into my emotions a little bit and I was like, oh my God, am I losing it? Am I slipping? And then I was really like, Rich, but you made a difference for people. You helped people. It just so happened that this person that talked before you resonated a little bit better. This was a message that more of these people needed to hear in the moment. 
And I just wonder if sometimes if as leaders, as business people, as fill in the blank, okay, you know, relate and don't compare, whatever you are, parent, friend, whatever, boss, that if we put progress over perfection, how much better we would be. You and I work out, you you lift weights and run. I lift mostly lift weights. I never have the perfect workout, but I always try to make progress with every workout. It depends on my goal. It's not always to lift more weight. Sometimes it's to put on more muscle or to lose a little bit of body fat, the same for you. And I don't know if you've had the perfect run yet, but you're always trying to make progress. And, and I wonder if that's something that we as human beings, as people, especially with everything we've dealt with in the last 24 months, can look more towards achieving that progress over perfection. What What is it about us that just like when I say us, just humans in general, like literally everyone listening to this and us talking that we we end up inadvertently even even with our best effort a lot of times we end up focusing on on what we didn't accomplish what we didn't achieve even though we've got all this stuff over here where it's like wow look at my goals for the year i completed eight out of ten of these goals i did all these amazing things like you said you went up and spoke and you got a a nine point you know nine two and it's still a great rating but there were a handful of people that didn't give good reviews and those handful of people probably keep you up at night because you're a high achiever and you think about it. I mean, maybe you're not so hard on yourself these days. No, I still am. (laughs) I'm sure there was a time. I still am. No, I'm still am. So it's like, what is that? Like, can we figure that out? Because I'm that way too. I'm that way too. And it kills me that I'm that way. I don't know why I'm that way. I think it's because, first of all, I don't think we give ourselves enough grace. You know, I think that human beings, we in general, don't give themselves enough grace. Second of all, we were all probably, and I hate to put it on parents and blame our folks and do the whole Freudian kind of crap, but I think most of us, many of us had those situations where, hey, I got an A minus. Why didn't you get an A? Hey, I got an A. Why didn't you get an A plus? Or like, I got a touchdown. Well, you could have had two touchdowns if you'd have tried a little harder. And I think sometimes that's that's put into us. I mean, you're right. It's our culture. Go into a restaurant. You know, everybody at the tables in the restaurant. So let's say there's 20 tables. More than likely, let's say 17 of those tables got exactly what they ordered, exactly right, cooked exactly the right way, in good timing. Two or three of the tables didn't. Those are the tables that call the manager over. But the 17 tables never call the manager over to say, my meal was exactly right. My dad used to be a maintenance foreman in a hospital. And I remember my dad jokingly said to me one time in my whatever it was from 1968 till he passed away in 1990. That's how long he worked there. He said, not once has anyone ever called me from one of the, the, the nursing floors and said, hey, Jack, just want you to know the temperature is perfect today. Everything's perfect. The temperature is absolutely right. But man, they'll call when it's too hot or too cold. And I think it's our nature is problem solving, looking for what's broken. Yeah. How do we fix this issue and this problem? And I think that it's a societal thing. I, I wonder if it's a Western thing. Maybe it's not like that in other countries. Maybe in other places, you know, maybe if you're in, in Sweden or Norway or something, maybe they're <laughs> maybe they're happier. I don't know. But or in Finland, I think I read somewhere Finland had the happiest population. Maybe I'm making that up. I thought I saw that somewhere. But I don't know. It it I, I think it does come from that looking for what's wrong and what's missing and what you didn't get or what you didn't have. It, it is true. It's a lack mentality, you know? 
Well, what, what you shared, um, which I think is good, you know, having the ability to give yourself yeah. grace in a situation. But I think we as a culture, as a society need to need to find ways or find the ability to give other people grace as yeah. well. The situation you just described, like the server who serves 18 people, you know, 18 families over the course of that night, 17 of those go right. I mean, at best, in those 17 situations, most of the time at best, people are just neutral right. about you and with you. Like you did your job. So you're here. Like you did what you were supposed to do. And I'm not happy with you. I'm just like neutral. Like it, but when it goes wrong, that one situation where something didn't, you know, food didn't come out right or it came out cold or, you know, came out late. They're, they're at worst. They're just terribly upset yeah. with you. And I think that that translates into a lot of different sectors where like at best, other people are just neutral about what you do because you're doing what you're supposed to do. Um, and maybe we need to, as a, as a culture, um, give others a little more grace too, which I, I mean, I definitely tried to, I think my wife is massively better at this than I am about like giving other people grace. Like if something goes wrong, you know, or like, I don't know. I'm trying well, to she's married to you. She has like, a lot of experience in service. somebody doing something wrong and having to cut them grace. <laughs> <laughs> she has to, she has to, but like I took my car to get service and it took a really long time. And then it turns out they didn't have the part. And I had to go, you know, like you just get frustrated with somebody. And I like, in that moment, I thought to myself, like, all right, like I could act like an irate customer, like everybody else would in this situation or most people would, or I can just try to give grace well, to the situation. I mean, so channel my inner jack think about your there, what's your kid's middle name oh wow yeah ella grace wow good one yeah ja good one that, that was, was my grandmother's idea, name because she well, was my grandmother's name grace see? yeah oh see so it's name. built into your family name like it's it's grace. in my blood no, just you know but you when you think about it it's true we we don't cut people a lot of slack but yet when we're having a tough time we want people to cut us yeah. slack you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. If you think about, there was all of these people during the, the height of the pandemic, you know, first responders and thank you for our essential workers and, you know, nurses. And then every once in a while, there was that one jerk that would say, well, you know, if, if nurses are afraid of dying from the yeah. pandemic, that's what they signed up for. They yeah. signed up to be in healthcare. So that's their job. You know, no, like, honestly, when I went to nursing school, I didn't think like, oh, I hope I die from some infection taking care of my right. patients with, you know, I, I remember I was a nurse at the height of, um, I was in nursing school pretty much at the height of the, the AIDS epidemic. And it was very scary. And I, you know, had a significant exposure when I was in nursing school of a lot of blood from a, a patient, not to gross anybody out, but went into my eyes and into my nose and I had to be tested for a long time. And I was absolutely terrified, you know, that I would get sick and, and Syria, it was a, it was a scary time, but because that was especially at the time, it was in the beginning where they really didn't know that much about the disease. Thank God, with research, they've made tremendous strides and and done great things. But you know, if anybody would have said to me, "Well, that's what you signed up for," yeah, it's a risk you take. You know, it's a, I'm not gonna right. be grateful for a soldier. That's just what you do. It's just it's a lack of 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 human kindness. It's a lack of just being you know, EQ, yeah. you know, just having that emotional understanding and empathy and compassion, you know, and I think that's what this all comes down to at the end of the day. It's, it is having empathy and compassion. We're much more, I don't know, at least I am. I'll, and I know you are, I, I'm much more blown away when, when you, we used a sports kind of, we started off talking about sports 
when you see something like on TV about like, you know, people are running track and then somebody fell and broke their ankle and then the other runner comes and lifts that person up and brings them across the finish line. Or, too. or when you see, you know, the different things, you know, we've seen amazing things like they put, they get tears in your eyes. I don't know. I think that's way cooler than when some jerk team that's like a superstar team runs the score up 99 to two over somebody just because they could yep. for no reason. Not, you know, I don't know. It's just, and I think, I think there's glimmers of hope in our society, but I do think it comes down to the fact that at the core people do value that compassion and do value that kindness. And, and that maybe that's something that we should teach our kids more and that maybe that is something that as leaders and organizations should spend more time on with their teams. You know, like think about it, John, like at, at a workplace, do you think that, that employees, workers get acknowledged mostly because of their output, their results only, and maybe workers who are also the ones that are maybe helping to engage and, and lower conflict and bring people together, those folks maybe don't, it's not as measurable maybe. So they don't get acknowledged as much. Yeah. Well, and again, I think it goes back to what we said just a moment ago, where at best things are neutral. And so if you're just doing your job and keeping things status quo, it's great. But as long as soon as something goes wrong and then it's like, it's your fault. Like, why did you do this? Or why did this happen? Let's go through this. I've, Again, I feel like in that situation, maybe recognition, you know, within the, I, I think like within Canterpath, we try to do that with our employees of like focusing on the good. We spend very little, like, listen, human errors and mistakes are going to happen. Like naturally that's going to occur. Um, for us, it's kind of like, okay, do we learn a lesson? Let's move on. Like, let's move on from it. We don't ever need to talk about it again. Mistakes happen. Um, as long as we learn from it, we can move on. And we, we do try to focus on the good. And, and I guess, I guess what I'm saying in all of this is practicing what we, what we preach, what we're trying to, to do. Um, we started this podcast and I, I actually really love where this went, but I didn't know this is where it was going to land. So it's kind of, it's a good one. Well, thank you. I, I, me too. And you know what, I think what, what comes up for me, another kind of little thing for people, like, as I said about, you know, progress over perfection, maybe we need to just realize that in the big picture of life there's really no losing. There's just learning. Yeah. You know, I mean, even, even these little five and six year olds, yeah, technically they're going to lose a game, but what a, a good coach, unless, you know, in any situation, unless the team was just didn't care and just didn't, you know, talking about older kids, obviously just didn't yeah. care and just threw it or whatever, but <laughs> cause I was going to say speaking. it at this age, they're doing plies right. in the back in, in the outfield sure, of course. and playing with dirt. Right. But yes. But yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, a good coach, when the team doesn't, when the team really tried, but just was outmatched by their opponent, I think a good coach would say, what did you learn? Yeah. You, you know, I, I'm again, not the big athlete guy, but I do know that athletes watch films. Mm -hmm. They watch films of the other teams. They watch films of their own plays, you know, boxers and fighters watch films of who they're going to be fighting to learn what their moves are. That's mm -hmm. the IQ piece, of course. But I think it's because when they've lost a game, they want to see what can I learn from? What, what did I do wrong? What, what can I improve upon? I watch videos of myself speaking. Oh man, why did I say that there? And why did I do that there? And I think that if we focused on 
the fact that when we don't quote unquote win, mm. that we realize that there's no losing, there's just learning. That everything that you do in life, even if you didn't get the outcome that you wanted, there's the opportunity to learn from it, to become stronger, to become better, to become more effective, yeah, to become more inspired, to be happier. Well, and I would also say there's no perfection, there's just progress. Like to this, yeah. to what you just yeah. said, when you yeah. when you experience a loss and you you associate that as a learning experience. What you're really doing there is you're, you're figuring out how to progress forward, be better at your craft, you know, or whatever the case may be. Um, but there's no such thing as perfection. It's only progress. Nope. And you know what? I, I know what, what, what would be on the tips of some people's tongues right now, easier said than done. And as you know, it's like, like my biggest oh. pet peeve expression, easier said than done because everything's easier said than yeah. done. I get it. And I know even for myself, I'm not going to get off this podcast and just be like, you know what? I didn't do a good job on that podcast, but you know, it's progress over. I'll be off and go, oh man, I should have said this. I forgot this quote. I forgot to do that. And I think it's, it's retraining ourselves to be able to do that, to be able to, but then also to be able to give yourself a little grace and go, you know what, but I, you know what? I brought some feels to it and I, I cared about it and I, I showed up. And, and, you know, sometimes showing up is, is important. Bringing yeah. your A game doesn't necessarily mean your A. There are people who've brought their A game, but somebody else's A game was like maybe an A++ and that's why the other person scored extra or the wind blew in a different direction or a million other factors that have, you know, won or lost Super Bowls and World Series and all those kinds of things. So I think at the end of the day, um, hopefully your kids that you're coaching will, um, cause I don't know if, are they on strike? Like the baseball players, are they legit? Like, are they, they're showing up. So. They might want to be, we got practice tonight, uh, actually in a couple of hours here, but no, so they far, we're, right, they get so a good far coach. they're all, they're all coming. We're having a good time. We do things like red light, green light. We try to have a little fun in there, but I, it seems like, you know, the biggest danger is being on the opposite ends of these, of the, of the spectrum here. Like, the extremes, the extremes, like the, you know, as you were just sharing, you could beat yourself up all day long. Well, that's the competitive side of you. You're not competing against somebody else specifically. It's the benchmark that you set for yourself that you want to progress past. And yeah. And, and if, yeah. yeah. And if you put, if you're hard on yourself or if you're upset with yourself because you didn't do or didn't achieve the results that you wanted to achieve, I think it's human nature. It's normal and probably healthy to be a little disappointed in yourself, but it's what you do after that. If you just yep. stay in the disappointment, that kind of sucks. But if you go, all right, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Like I've learned really quick when I do a brand new talk, I have to run through it. If let's say it's a 45 minute hour talk, I have to run through it 10 times. It's the number 10. If I can check off 10 times that I've gone through it 10 times, then I feel like it's at least at the minimum that it needs to be for me to do a good job. In the past, when I've done it six times or something, it's like, I didn't get the result I wanted to get. But most of the time that for me, if somebody else might be 20, somebody else might be five because they might be better than I am. But for me, it's 10 times. If I've done it 10 times through, and I, I can show you, it's in my other room. I've got, I'm working on one right now. I'm on six. So I've got four more times to go through it. I can at least psychologically say to myself, I put in the 10 hours. This is not the creating phase. All This is literally, it's done. It's created. It's written. It's done. Run through it 10 times. I know. I've done my 10 hours sure. and then anything over that. And I think as long as you know, if you didn't knock it out of the park, again, baseball and softball, if you didn't knock it out of the park, if you sit with why, what could I have done better? And you get a little healthier about it and give yourself some grace and, and just, you know, realize that, you know, we're all, 
you know, human beings, you know, trying to get through, you know, it's human beings. We're being human. We're just trying to do what we got to do. And to give yourself that grace and give yourself that peace to just know that sometimes your results are not going to be where they, where you want them to be, but you come back the next day and you, you try a little harder and you learn from it and you try to get better and you make that progress. Well said, buddy. What you think? Well said, All right, man. man. So I'm listen. Bring it on home. I think it's great. Well, what we're all about, what we're all about for this podcast is this is just real talk. I mean, we're not, we're, we're not focused on one particular thing. We're certainly not geniuses and we certainly don't have the answers. 99% of the time when we're having these conversations, we're actually kind of, you're watching us kind of work through stuff and talk it through ourselves to try to figure it out. But, you know, hopefully people will see a little bit of themselves in this. Hopefully those of you that are listening that are, are maybe not where you want to be, maybe you could take a step back and just realize that if you keep on beating yourself down, you can never move up. You know, if you looked at every failure rather than as something to weigh you down, you looked at it as a step on, on the, on the stairway to get up to where you want to be and just use those experiences to learn. If you're a parent, if you're a boss, if you're a leader, try to help your folks see that the value that they bring is who they are, how they represent your organization, how they represent your family, the spirit and the heart that they bring is more important at minimum, at least as important as the results they achieve, especially when it comes to our kids you know, help them to see that that your love for them is unconditional, but also that who they are as people, what they do, their kindness, their compassion, their empathy, that these are things that we put value in, just like we put value in them getting a home run or getting a straight A or getting a black belt or getting a scholarship, you know, help them to see that that value in them as people. I think if we could do that a little bit more, I think we'd be happier as well. But anyway, listen, we love y'all. We're so grateful. We are perched upon uh, a lot more downloads happening. This podcast continues to grow. We're very grateful for that opportunity to make a difference for you all. Please make sure that you like, share, certainly feel free to comment um, on this podcast. It would mean a lot to us as we continue to grow. We wish you, your family, and everybody well. Remember, it's all about progress, not perfection. There is no losing. There is only, only learning. And with that, we bid you a fond farewell. Thank you for joining us on Above Board with Candorpath. We'll see you again, or we'll speak to you again really soon. Peace out. Have a good one.